bitter wind shook the teepee, and the sealskins flapped like they might fly off at any moment. Hilda was used to this kind of weather, but Kai and Sophia weren't. Is it going to blow down? said Sophia. It sounds like it, said Hilda, but it won't. The northern winds are cold and harsh, she said. We won't venture out this morning. On the fire, she already had a kettle boiling. Would you like some tea? she asked them. We must sit this wind out. As Kai, Sophia and Arian sat there with her, having their morning cup of tea, they asked her about Yorn. Why won't Yorn let the people of the White Lands leave? asked Arian. Oh, it's a long story, said Hilda. Are you the only person outside the walls? asked Sophia. There are others, said Hilda, but not many. We, the ones who live outside the walls, we're the secret children of the White Lands. What do you mean by secret children? asked Kai. Well, said Hilda, once upon a time Yorn was not this bitter. In fact, as a child Yorn was fairly ordinary. But when Yorn became a man, he married and he wanted children. Years went by, but Yorn and his wife were not graced with a child. Yorn was mean and bitter to his wife and he blamed her and he sent her away. It wasn't long before Yorn married again, but no matter how much he longed for it, he was still not graced with a child. And once again, Yorn was mean and bitter to the wife that he had, and he sent her away too. Many times this happened, and in fact, Yorn had seven wives and still no children. With every year that passed, without a child, Yorn grew angrier and colder and meaner. And eventually he decided that if he could not have children, then nobody in the White Lands could have children either. He didn't want to see their joy and their happiness if it was something that he could not have. And so he banned it. He said that nobody was to have a child. The thing is, some people, like my parents, already had a baby on the way. And they couldn't change that, and they didn't want to change that. And so they hid me growing in my mother's tummy by big coats and long gowns, and they would go for walks, trying to find the perfect spot. Then, when it was time for me to be born, they found a spot where nobody would see them, and they built a teepee, and they found my dear old reindeer, Nook. If it wasn't for Nook, I wouldn't be here today. As the cold, icy winds whirled around the White Lands, I was safe and warm inside my teepee with Nook. I cuddled into his warm fur, and he kept me alive. Every morning, my parents would sneak out and come and see me, and they would feed me and cuddle me and spend as much of the day as they could with me. But every night, they had to return, or Yorn would find out. Like I said before, I'm not the only one. There are several of us, not many. And we are the secret children of the White Lands. We have tried to leave the White Lands many times to let the other people in Araland know what's going on here. But leaving isn't easy. None of us can swim. And we've tried making boats, but there's nothing here to make a boat with. All that surrounds us is ice. Once we tried to jump on an iceberg, but the raging sea and winds nearly took us all. Once Yorn had banned having children, all the people of the White Lands were sad. And for a long while they were as sad and miserable as he was. But after some long time passed, they began to pick themselves up. They began to try and find joy in life again. They enjoyed the simple things, like exchanging conversations and gifts with friends. They began to notice the sparkle of the fresh frost in the morning. 
And oh, what a joyous celebration it was when the polar bears had their cubs and the birds laid their eggs. They played music and they sang songs and they shared meals and they played games. But Jorn did not like this. He did not like seeing people happy when he was still so sad inside. And that, we think, is when he made the crystal. You see, originally Jorn wasn't from the White Lands. And as a very young man, he studied with a crystal chemist. We know the crystal chemist, said Sophia. We met him. Yes, well, Jorn was a very good student of his. And he listened and he learnt well, said Hilda. But by the time he'd sent away his seventh wife, Jorn was no longer interested in crystals. He had set his sights on power. But the game of power is a dirty one. And eventually Jorn persuaded a group of people to come with him to the White Lands. They thought they were going on a great adventure to explore uncharted territory. But when they tried to leave, to go back to where they came from, the most enormous storm blew up and they had to stay. The strange thing is, is every time they tried to leave, the same would happen again and again. And eventually the people decided that they needed to make a new kingdom in the White Lands. Jorn was the obvious leader. He had led them there and he seemed to know what to do. We now believe he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew there was a powerful crystal in all the other provinces of Aralan. But not the White Lands, because nobody lived in the White Lands. And he knew that if he wanted the ultimate power, he would need a crystal to match no other. For a while he was distracted on building the palace and the city walls and all the houses that dwell within. And then he must have spent some long, secret hours making and testing and trying for the crystal. The people of the White Lands had no idea what he was up to. But when they started to group together and rise up from their sadness, the crystal was born, and Yorn was ready to be the almighty ruler he'd always dreamt of being. They say the crystal is the most beautiful thing you will ever set your eyes on. They say it is more magnificent and sparkling than any crystal ever created before. That crystal is made up of other people's happiness, of all the happiness and beauty in the White Lands. Every smile, every hug, every celebration and every twinkling of the frost in the morning. Now when people feel the slightest flicker of joy, they keep it to themselves and they hide it because if Yorn finds out, he will come to them with the crystal and he will touch them, and when he does, their joy will be taken away. What happens to their joy? Where does it go? asked Sophia. He takes it for himself, said Hilda. He's the strangest person to see, for to look at he seems like a jolly old man, but he's only jolly because he has all the happiness of others. Without the crystal, he has nothing. Those who work close to him are the ones affected the most. He's taken so much of their joy and happiness that they are fading. Some are so faded that they are invisible. Only people like me, who have never been touched by the crystal before, and have the special powers like I do to see the invisible, can see them. Taking the happiness from the people didn't only make them miserable like him, it also made them very easy to govern. When you have no happiness left... You just don't care anymore. You do what you're told and you get on with it. And so finally, Yorn has exactly what he's always wanted. 
The secret children and I meet regularly, and we have talked of many ways in which we can change things. Now we're no crystal chemists, but we have managed to make a crystal. It is bright and clear and sparkling, and it is the right size. We have dreamt many times on swapping our crystal for his, so that we can take the crystal away from him and stop him doing what he's doing. For years this has been our plan, but we just didn't know until now how we could get past first his faded soldiers and then his snow leopards that sleep with him in his room. But your crystal, your invisible crystal, this could be the answer. Hilda looked outside the teepee for a moment. The winds are calming, she said. You must come with me now. I am due to meet with the other children. You must show them your crystal. It is our only hope. But the crystal, said Guy, if someone were to touch it, to get it and swap it over, would it not take their joy away? No, said Hilda, from what I have heard. It only takes your joy when Yawn is holding it and he takes your joy on purpose. It is said that a few people have touched it when he's not looking and that when you do it fills you with giddiness and happiness and you can feel all that he feels when he holds the crystal himself. But... As long as someone creeps in in the night and takes it from under his pillow and he's not holding the other end, then they're safe. It should be fine. Come on, we must go, she said, and she opened up the teepee and led them out into the light. As they tramped through the snow, the children and Arian had many questions. What about those snow leopards, said Sophia. And the guards, those faded guards, said Arian. Look, said Hilda, the faded guards I imagine won't be too much trouble. I can see them, remember. I can see things that no one else can. Plus, they are so faded that they're not much threat. The worst they would do would be to call the alarm. But the snow leopards, said Sophia, what about them? Ah, said Hilda, I've thought about this. My parents, they work inside the castle. And every night, the snow leopards get their evening dinner. I could ask my parents to slip some dozenberry juice into the snow leopard's food. Now, it won't do much, but it will make them sleepier than usual, which will make getting in and out just a little bit easier. You see, my parents, although they do become faded, they come and visit me every day, and when they do, I hug them and I hug them tight. And every time I do that, I see little flickers of joy return to their faces. They have not faded, and I can get them to help. Walking across the snow was harder work than they had thought. With each step, they sunk up to their knees in snow. Hilda was older than Kai and Sophia, and it was easier for her with their longer legs. But Kai, Sophia and Arian were struggling. They felt hot despite the icy temperatures when they finally saw some people in the distance. The people had obviously spotted Hilda and were jumping about and waving. That's them, said Hilda, and they all quickened their pace. Soon those little figures, silhouetted against the white, became bigger and bigger, and they could see there was about ten children stood there waiting, all of very similar age to Hilda. The secret children were obviously very happy to see Hilda, and they ran down the slope towards her. When they got there, they were very surprised to see Guy, Sophia and Arian there too. They flung their arms around Hilda in one big bundle, and then they turned to Guy, Sophia and Arian. Who are these, Hilda? Where did you find them? They don't look like they're from the White Lands at all, they said. They're not, said Hilda. This is Arian. He's a kinder captain, and he has a boat waiting for him in the ocean, she said, pointing to Arian. 
And this is Kai and Sophia, two children who are here to help. They have something very exciting to show you, said Hilda with excitement. The children made Kai, Sophia and Arian feel very welcome indeed and they asked them lots of questions about where they came from and why they were here. And then Hilda could wait no longer. Go on, she said, show them your crystal. Kai and Sophia did. They took out the crystal and they held it in their hands and then they disappeared and ran around, leaving only footprints in the snow. The secret children were amazed. They couldn't believe what luck it was that Kai and Sophia had come to them. Hilda smiled at the secret children. They've come to take Jorn's crystal, she whispered. The children felt hopeful for the first time in years. Maybe it really was possible. When Kai and Sophia had stopped running around, they came and shared their ideas and stories with the secret children. And as they chatted and drew their plans with a stick in the snow, Kai, Sophia and Arian all began to realise they were now a part of something far too big to back out of. Sophia felt cold and she hugged the warm neck of Nook. It made her miss Unicorn. Arian thought of his crew out at sea waiting for him and he longed to see their happy faces again. And Kai, although he knew they had the support of the secret children, longed to have Orin and Arthur and Jan and Willem by his side. One of the secret children ran up to the top of the snowbank and looked out. The weather looks good, they called. Let's get some rest, for tonight is the night. Kai and Sophia held each other's hands, their hearts pounding in their chests. They didn't need to say anything, for they both knew they were thinking the same thing. How very glad they were that they had each other.